I'm not alone today. I have a guest. Why don't you introduce yourself there, buddy? Uh, my name is Buck Rogers. Buck Rogers. That name alone says, um, I've heard it before. Yes, I, I've, I've gotten that <laughs> once or twice. <laughs> yeah, Buck Rogers. I was going to say, it says a lot about me. I'm like, nope, it says a lot about my parents. <laughs> it says That's a lot sure. about your parents. <laughs> and it uh, reminds me of a movie. That's awesome. And uh, so welcome, Buck Rogers. Thank you. Thank you. To Beers in the Basement. And this is fun. I'm going to give... so. We're just going to go with this right now, mm-hmm. and if you haven't listened before, and the people tuning in right now, maybe this is their first time, it's very loose, loosey-goosey. I'm starting out season two. What I did was I ended season one mm-hmm. on episode 22. Oh, wow. That's a standard run for like you know TV shows and stuff. Yeah, it's not bad, yeah. right? I, I'm surprised I'm even sticking with it, because I'm usually the type of person that stops after like three weeks of doing something, and then I'm over it. So this Did is you tell your wife that before you got married? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Relationships usually go for about 10 years, and I think oh. we're just at about the 10-year mark. Um, so what I did was I, I reviewed season one, and I, and, and I started out with literally just a room mic, one, one mic in the middle of the room. Mm-hmm. And my buddy Mike and I were down here, and we would just have banter, kind of like what we're doing now. Right. And from there, I... Got a little more equipment, uh, borrowed some, stole some, bought some, and uh, I wanted to have more guests in. So you're, that was my big takeaway from season one, is as much as I like talking, because I love hearing myself talk, right. I think it's going to be more entertaining to have people in here, and you're, you're my guinea pig today. Outstanding. That's great. You're my first guest, and I don't know if you're going to be on episode one or if I'm going to do... I'm thinking about maybe doing a little preview, and then... You're, you're giving away so much behind the curtain right now. I know, <laughs> I, I, but that's okay. That's, okay. You know. <laughs> um, so let's get started here. I have a beer, and as we do on the show, mm-hmm. is we're gonna. I, I picked up a beer. You're my special guest today, and we're gonna learn all about you. And I think you're a fascinating dude. That's the other reason, aside from being the guinea pig for today. Mm-hmm. I think you have some interesting things to share, and uh, you've been around a little bit here and there. Uh, so we'll talk about all that. Okay, sounds great. I have a movie going. Yes, uh, Zombieland. Zombieland, because uh, that's, I feel like that's a fun background movie. I was just talking about this the other day. Um, my, something I was talking to my parents about the new Ghostbusters because they hadn't seen the all-female version. And I haven't they, seen that either. They asked about uh, Bill Murray. And I said, I don't know what he's been doing. I, I, honestly, I don't think he's worked since Zombieland. And then I yeah. looked it up, and Zombieland's like 2009. He's done plenty of things ever <laughs> since then. <laughs> but like, like all cameos, right? No, no. He's had, he was in uh, a movie called Monuments Men where it, there was a team of people in World War II that were sent to Europe to try to rescue and preserve historical uh, monuments and artifacts and artwork that they knew was going to be uh, threatened by the Nazis sort of just you know, traipsing across Europe. Oh, that's pretty Europe. interesting. So that it was just a small unit of, of, I believe it was Americans and Brits that were kind of deployed to go around and try to rescue this stuff. Huh. And he was in that. I, I, he's become, for some reason, I don't know what started his... Why did he suddenly, seemingly overnight, become this I- icon, like pop culture icon? What what the fuck did that? He, 
Was it I like, heard this. The, 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 what I heard from him that was like, you know, he, he as he's getting older and his movies were, he, he was doing less and less movies. Mm-hmm. He just became uh, this classic actor, right? He got, you know, all the, the guy that used to do Ghostbusters and his, his heyday seemed to be over. And then that's when he like did, uh, then he does, gets this comeback with Scarlett Johansson in Lost in Translation, I believe it was. Okay. And around that time, I think even before that, there were stories circulating the internet of him just showing up at people's parties. Just randomly? Yes, walking into house parties. That's so and cool. And there was, I think he kind of got a, he was taking his celebrity for a ride, is, is what I just assumed was going on. Like was, he had a sense of humor about it. Oh, yeah. He's like, I'm, I'm just a guy. And, I'm, and people keep noticing me in public. So I'm just going to see what I can do with just it. Go and with just it. show up at parties. And That's fucking th- awesome. It is. And he... he it, he didn't do it in a way that was you should worship me. It was in, in right. a way of you shouldn't. And I'm just an average dude. Right. So those stories would circulate, and I think that's what made him mm. kind of legendary. Uh, and then, you know, he he would go and do these iconic roles in movies that I've never even seen because I'm not a big fan of. I always get these directors mixed up. Is there Wes Anderson or Paul something Anderson? Oh, I know Wes Anderson. I don't know. Yeah, the, the the aquatic life with Steve Zissou and movies like that that are really quirky and out there. You no, know I idea what I'm talking about? no idea. He's in those movies. And okay. That, I think, is a whole... I know side. Groundhog Day. Right. And Groundhog Day that and, and that era, I know him. His newer era when he's done these really quirky movies, like yeah. Little Miss Sunshine, I think he might have been in. Yeah, I saw that. And those... So... That's in the same vein of those quirky movies, and I just I was never drawn to them at all. So I think I missed out on some of him. Yeah, and I think that coupled with his behavior outside of, uh, in in, in public made him somewhat of a legend. So that's awesome. I like that he's using his stardom to kind of not be a dick and just not take himself too seriously. That's rad when people yeah. do that. No, as that's... opposed to like, don't touch me. You know, I need eight bodyguards and all this other <laughs> bullshit. I hate that. So without further ado, uh. Last time you were over here, you were visiting, yeah. Uh, and we were hanging out, and you you brought, and I actually have it in this cooler, which I thought was kind of bizarre but kind of neat at the same time. Oh yeah, you don't chill, poor man. <laughs> well, the cooler isn't. It oh, was okay. Just, I thought there was ice in there. No, no, no. no. Oh, you have it hidden. Okay. So you you brought. <laughs> <laughs> I hide all my secrets yeah. in my cooler. So you and brought this Quinta de la Rosa Tawny Port. Yes. Which I thought was a unique selection when you're coming to visit just to bring i've had people over before and i've never had anybody bring a little not that it's that crazy it's mm-hmm. not like you're you're bringing this you know something completely bizarre but um i just thought it was so cool so in that vein i went to the liquor store today and, and welcome here you're welcome to have this i'm i this is this is the buck stash right here oh, okay. and i'm okay. and i'm keeping this and i'm only going to drink it when you're over otherwise it'll it'll be <laughs> here and um i went to the liquor store today and i said what What's fucking random, and what can I pick up? So I got this stuff called, uh, Jesus Christ, I don't so. Rare Voss. Right. Am I reading that right? Yeah, well, that's how I read it, and it's um, it says Brewery Amagang, Omagang, and it's a um, true Belgian-style amber ale. And you know it's true Belgian-style because it's in a very large bottle. It has a cork with a uh, well, it's a champagne style cork, like a cage. With, yeah, with the with the with the metal twisty cage thing cap thing on top. Can I, can I see it? Yeah, of course. So that, I, and and it's, it wasn't so far fetched and, and bizarre, but I've never had it. I thought it was kind of cool. Um, it has instructions. Let's. 
It do, is it pour slowly. Okay. So as to not disturb the yeast. Oh. Sediment. Uh-huh. And then there's a scratch. I can't read after that. Shit. That's all right. That might have been uh, my eager claws. He also, he also, by the way, folks, he also, also keeps it very dark in here. It is uh, dark in it's, here. It's got a, and his TV has mood lighting behind it. So there's <laughs> there's an ambiance here that is uh, it's I, sexy. I down imagine here, isn't unique it? to podcasting because I've seen you see like Joe Rogan Experience right. and uh, Kevin Smith videotapes a couple of his videotapes. Hi guys on, on their VHS. I, I'm 38. Uh, <laughs> um, they they put it up on YouTube and right. it's, it's always very. It, they try to make it look like a studio because right. they're, they're they're filming it and they want it to have yeah. the production value auditorily. So you can see what's yeah. going on. And- um, so in here, it, it's it's got this, uh, I guess, intimate sort of casual, intimate but casual. That's what I'm going for. Maybe, can you combine those two? Yeah. Okay. Of course. I want it to be a little, uh, you know, fucking relax. All right. I don't have any any cameras. Well, not that you know of, but I I don't have advertise any cameras that are going currently. And uh, yeah, we're just relaxing down here. You don't advertise any cam. What is it? Stop looking around. <laughs> stop, stop that. Gotcha. All righty. So you're gonna pop that bad boy open? Yeah. Okay. Let's, yeah. I'm, do it. Everyone, look a little, look away. I'm reminded of how I met your mother when uh, Marshall goes to open one of these and pegs his wife and or his fiance. I eye. think that's been that theme has been mm-hmm. done in movies since oh, yeah. pretty much the beginning of cinematography. Yeah, I'm not one for the whole shooting it across the room. Thing. What? Yeah. No, I like to do the plane it the, safe. The, the grip and t- let me get it up by buck, the mic here. Buck plane it safe. Yeah, there we Ooh. go. Ooh. Very good. Sounded, sounded, well, don't disturb the sediment now. Be careful. Oh, no. pour. It says something about pouring, right? And uh, pour slowly, but then I, I could have sworn it said something about a vigorous pour at the end or something. What? Um, I, I don't know. I, dude, I can't read. The, the problem with this low lighting is I'm shooting myself in the foot because I'm like, who said that? Like, I can't see anything. <laughs> I'm fucking like half blind down here. I'm like, yeah, but it's sexy. Who cares? Well, it's just kind of like the, they have those dinners where you can go and eat in the dark. Have you heard of those? Well, I've been to a movie theater where no, they no, have no, like no, no, a. No. This is like a dining experience, fine dining in a completely blacked out room. I don't know how I feel about that. You say, so do you eat with your fingers or with utensils? Uh, there's utensils. It's it as as I I've never been, but I, as I understand it, it's it's like any other dining experience except the lights are out. It's fucking weird. Right. I don't know if the wait staff wears night vision, um, <laughs> but I know that the whole experience is supposed to. I like enhance. that. <laughs> I like the sound that the movies make, like the night vision boot up, where it's like. Boom! Yeah, oh, yeah. It's a sort of like mm-hmm. you just see the green t- green eyes walking around <laughs> yeah. the room while you're trying to eat. What was that? Um, Silence of the Lambs, right? That was like a big one with the with the creepy night vision shit. Yeah, yeah. And I, she was in that underground. Um, I'm, I'm pouring this. Guy. Oh, what the fuck? What? Whoa! What? It's just. I don't know. The smell kind of caught me off guard here a little bit. It's it smells strong, not in a bad way, but just it definitely has an aroma. And this is one of those beers that I don't know how long it's been sitting in the liquor store because who the fuck buys it? <laughs> Except for me. And when I was there, it was like on the bottom shelf, kind of tucked away. And I was trying to wrestle it out of the uh, out of the refrigerator. And I'm knocking things over. And they're all like looking at me like, what the fuck is this asshole doing here? Okay, uh, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. This actually reminds me of, uh, there's a stand-up comedian who I'll never be able to find again. It was like a, back when podcasts were first a thing, this is like circa 2008, 2009. Right. I found a, a, a stand-up comedy podcast that would take recordings of live sets somewhere in New York and, and put them up on um, the internet. And there was this guy who had a bit about Belgian beer, and because he, 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 th- he thought it was pretty comical that these things advertise, like made, you know, uh, 
you know, these beers that used to be made by monks. And he, mm-hmm. he kind of joked about how um, made in the strictest accordance with the Bavarian purity laws of 1582. And he's like, oh, great. Medieval hygiene standards. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we don't wash our hands. We just spit on them and rub them together. So I, I, before we sip this beer, I'm okay. looking over at my computer, right? I have this. See when I'm talking? Yeah. How like cra- crazy and spiky it is? Yeah. And how when I talk, I'm still maxing out the green bar, but I'm not getting a lot of yeah. EKG looking wave things. Right. Do you need to make an adjustment I, before I, we continue? So I don't know if I should do it halfway through the podcast because that might just fuck me up completely. But what I'm going to request is that you get up on the mic a little more. Oh, it's still an adjustment. Me getting on it more, like I'm not. There you go. Is that a is that gray circle a that I'm about to touch right <laughs> there? Is that an adjustment <laughs> nod? Adju- uh, adjustment nod. What what adjustment? circle are you pointing to? You're I'm, just you haven't watched my bar. I'm I'm looking at the screen. <laughs> oh, that gray little right there, there. That. Oh oh that. Yes. Is that an adjustment thingy? Can you is that a slider? Yes. Okay. I'm looking for some or- yellow and red. If it look, to let me know if I'm clipping out, but I'm you're not. I'm not. No, clipping out. No, at all. Here's yeah. There okay. you go. That and that's what and we did during sound check. This is, okay, but I have to like I'm I'm making out with this little fuzzy but thing. Then you got to get up on it. Uh, okay, that's that's how it works, dude. Oh, okay, that's man. why I put this little uh, spit shield on there. Yeah, is it to, who, to, to protect who else you from has the, been? Is your buddy Mike been on? <laughs> Mike's been on it. Sebastian's <laughs> been on it. Everybody's been on that. One in particular. That's a dirty mic right there. I've, I've always wanted to know what uh, <laughs> Sebastian smelled like. Oh, Sebastian, you've got a fan. Anyway, let's try this this beer here. Okay, it doesn't have a aroma that is as shocking as you made it seem. I, it wasn't shocking, it, but it it almost reminds me of a of a port or something. Or am I crazy for thinking that there's something going on? I'm gonna actually smell your port. The reason I love port, and I think I explained this to you when I was here before, but I'll explain it to you for the benefit of your audience. Um, I forget how it I smells found... nothing like the port. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> That's what I thought. That was a port experiment, Pete. Good job. Um, port is it, it's generally it's it's a fort, it's called a fortified wine. It's generally a dessert wine. You, you get it in a dainty little miniature wine glass right. at the end of a meal at fancy restaurants. Um, Almost like a. Uh, an, a cordial, an after dinner cordial, where where it has the little glasses. Mm-hmm. They're not shot glasses. Sometimes they're a little flute shaped, or they kind of they look like those little egg. Remember those little? They used to deliver uh, hard boiled eggs to you at a table. Yeah, we tap, tap, tap the top yeah, and, you tap and yeah. the top. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's kind of like that size. And but the reason I like it, and I don't drink it out of those glasses. I refuse to. Um, I, I drink them out of a standard sort of Scotch tumbler, and it's a perfect. In between, if you don't want to, if you like scotch, but you don't feel like having a scotch and you like wine, but you don't feel like having a wine, it's the perfect in between. It's something that's strong enough that you can sip and kind Mm. of nurse for a while and enjoy, but it has the sort of, uh, it's very sweet, um, but the tawnies aren't too sweet. Ruby is, there's two kinds of, you know, there's three three kinds of port that I'm familiar with, tawny, ruby, and white. Oh, I had no um, idea. I thought port was port, and there was just kind of one. No, no. There's there's style. ruby, which is it's more red and it's sweeter. Tawny's more kind of like raisins. Mm. Um, I I and, didn't I didn't try it last time you were here. Oh, okay. Well, you, I fucking before I leave to tonight, you're gonna try. It. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then there's white, which is you know made out of grapes for white wine. Um, funny side story with white. I actually got drunk with David De La Roca. David, De, why do I know that name? 
Um, it's not Zach De La Rocha. He's from, from, from Rage Against no, the Machine. It was David, De, I think it's David De La Rocha. He was um, in Boondock Saints. Okay. So when I was in the Navy, the producer and director of Boondock Saints threw a party for everyone at my unit or everyone on my compound. And uh, it was, they took it, you know, they basically took over this restaurant uh, slash pub. And me and uh, that actor uh, who played Rocco in the movie. Mm hmm. Which I think they used his last name, Rocco, De, De La Rocca, or something like that. That's mm. where, they, where he got his name from in the movie. Me and him grabbed a bottle of white port, popped in the DVD above the bar, and spent half the evening watching the movie, getting drunk on white port. And he was telling me all about the- His fucking movie? Yeah. Oh, boy. Watching- Boy, do I have some things to say <laughs> about that. <laughs> watching- uh, the behind, like, He would tell me all the stuff going on behind the scenes. Right. Like, oh, when we shot this, da 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 Do you think- um, I mean- the dude was probably cool, I would imagine. But oh, he was. Everyone in that movie is kind of a, like a douche move to do. Oh, no, no, no. Hold watch on. your own movie. Sorry, sorry. It was me. <laughs> okay, you were like, oh, man, let's no. watch your movie. Oh, no, no, yeah. I definitely found a copy of the DVD, or I might have brought it with me to have it signed. And I was like, oh, let's pop this in. There's a DVD player above the bar. And we, um, we just watched it. And then I went out. I was having dinner with, I went, or I guess it was no, earlier in the day, lunch with Troy Duffy, the writer-director. Mm -hmm. And this was prior to the second movie coming out. So he told, and this is long before. There like, was a second one, huh? There was. Yeah. And this was, the, the first was still pretty popular and fresh in people's minds. And he was telling me the whole plot for the second movie. And he's like, oh, you know, the two brothers are back in um, Scotland, uh, or was it Ireland? Right. I can't remember. Um, yeah, good call. I forgot too. And I think it was Scott. Scotland, Scotland. Yeah. So they're back in Scotland and they're sort of living in exile or whatever. And then something happens to someone close to them uh, and they come back on a boat and, you know, you know, violence ensues. And he got into a little more detail about it. And I was like, that's really cool. I hope he makes that movie. Right. And I completely forgot about it until some one day somebody pops in the movie, uh, the second sequel years and years later. And I started watching. I, like, I feel like I've seen this before. He's like, you uh, already knew the whole plot to it. Yeah, and then that's I, that. It dawned on me. I was like, wait, I've, huh. I've been told this plot before. Right. That's why all this is familiar to me. And it was almost beat for beat what he said it was going to be. Uh, that's kind of cool that you ago. had some insider information before the movie actually came out. Right now, granted, when I met him, it was like two thousand four. I'm going to so, drink this beer, by the okay, way. Okay, sorry. Yeah, we have. That's okay. That's why you're here, because you, you like to talk. Because <laughs> <laughs> you've done 22 <laughs> episodes. You're tired of fucking talking. Yeah. You want some it's, other guy to show up and, it's, and get it done. It's Buck's turn. <laughs> okay. So we're going we're gonna to try this beer. <laughs> I'm going to try this beer before it gets warm. Oh. Hmm. Well, it's, uh, it's certainly got very robust flavor. I'll tell you that. It is definitely citrusy on the end. I can I can see I can see that. Yeah, I, I, I smelled that yeah. quite a bit too. The the citrus, it's sort of it dissipates it dissipates real quick. It doesn't linger. It maybe has a little bit of a metallic flavor on the mm -hmm. tail end there. To, it does. You know, like a like a couple seconds later, but at first, it kind of punched me in the taste buds for a moment. And um, yeah, in, in in true fashion to season one, I, I have no vocabulary for exp for describing these things. <laughs> Probably something I should work on. Yeah, one of your guests <laughs> should be someone who does this. <laughs> well, that's so. The, so that's a problem. I had a couple episodes where I would have vocab words up on the TV instead of a movie, mm -hmm. so I could kind of refer to them and be like, "Oh, it's a very rob like robust is one that I learned," and and you know the finish and the this and that. 
I said, fuck it, man. I, I'm never going to get the hang of this. And I've had real beer home brewers in here before. And they will, they'll get so passionate about the beer and they'll go an hour and a half just talking about the beer. But I got to say, man, at 10, 15 minutes talking about beer, I, I want to move on to the next thing. You shouldn't talk about the beer longer than it takes you to drink it. Right, well, yeah, that's a good point. I just made that up right now, but it sounded really... Well, it depends, because (laughs) if you're talking about the beer, we're going to be here a while. (laughs) Fucking take a sip, Buck. All right, I want to finish this beer. It it tastes... To me, it tastes rustic and authentic, like what I would imagine if I were in Europe and I stopped by a local pub somewhere. That's a good point. It doesn't doesn't have that kind of just classic way you expect a a Budweiser or something, which is almost sweet. And I think that... um, I don't know. Maybe it says something about our culture is we love sugar. We fucking love sugar as a culture. It's in everything, everything. And um, this doesn't have that same sweetness, I don't think. And it actually has a a pretty full bodied flavor, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Would I go out and get it every time? No, it's seven bucks for one bottle. And I'm like, "Eh, I don't know about that. Well, it's a it's a big bottle. What's the milliliter centi? You're like a scientist over well, there. Well, no, but I know your, that they're all your big on the metric system, and, and I'm <laughs> I'm an imperial. So. You imperial imperialist. Bastard. I'm an imperialist. All right, it's too dark in here. I can't see. Like, all I can read is the is the ty- is the is the name of the beer, which is um, Rare Voss, and. That's like yeah, the that's biggest it. thing. I'm going to bring out my, my iPhone it's, flashlight. What's <laughs> funny is Rare Voss. You're like, oh, the, the name of the beers on here, Rare Voss, which would be like the big E on the I chart. That's how big Rare Voss is written. And everything else is like the last row. Yes. Which you can't fucking see. No, nothing in between. And I meant to have the light on behind you, but I dropped the ball on that. I'm still oh. trying to figure things out over here. But okay. you did mention for a second, and we won't go into into too much detail because... um. Just because, yeah. Uh, but you were in the Navy. Oh, a long time ago. Yeah. And what what I thought fast. So so just a little background. This beer we're gonna keep sipping it. Is this drinkable to you? Very okay. Good. So we we made a good choice, and it's mm-hmm. a good beer. So rare Voss, good job. Um, we're gonna we're gonna kill this bottle here. I'm not gonna dive into it too much. I, I think I read. Fuck man, it is too dark in here. I, I think I remember seeing it six six percent alcohol, um, and. It's like 80% alcohol. <laughs> <on there. laughs> we can't tell. We've got the flashlight out now. Yep. Um, so you were, you're friends with my wife, and um, you had met her through a, a joint work. Um, we worked together. You worked together, right? Yes. A, a joint work. That was my way of saying you worked together. I don't know why I'm a getting A joint crazy. venture to yeah, rob a joint, bank. Yeah. Uh, and, and you guys hit it off, and you became friends, and then... Um, you know, you, you guys stopped working at the same place and you maintained your friendship. And then you came around here. I think it was here that I first met you, right? You came you came by to visit? No. My first, Where was it? My first meeting you was at the, I believe, Cancer Benefit down in the city. Oh, right. Your band was playing. Yes. I was wearing the exact same clothes because this yeah. is what I wear when I ride my motorcycle. And uh, I was there with my buddy's cousin, Aaron. But I showed up at the behest of your wife right. because we are benefiting a good cause, and I got a cool T-shirt out of it as well. That's right, and that was a lot of fun. And then since then, you've been over here a couple times. You've partied with us and hung out, and um, you've always had interesting stories to 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 share. Mm-hmm. Especially later at night, we end up sitting around out back around a fire or something, and then and then you just start riffing on all this random shit. And um, 
Are you talking about the blowjob story from last time? I'm oh, not going to get into Jesus that one. Christ. <laughs> I don't even know what to say right now because I wasn't expecting you to go down that road. But yeah, if you want to rehash that one, no, we can, no, we can no, certainly... Um, no, we're not going to talk about that ever again, I don't think. But, <laughs> uh, but one of the things was, aside from you being in the Navy, I mm-hmm. was curious as to... So what you remind me of, and and you remind me of... An opinionated dude who, if I had to place you in time, just the way you roll up on your motorcycle, you you know you're talking about guns. You were in the navy. Um, you're you're very much a a a red blooded American from the from the exterior in a, in a way, but you're also extremely opinionated about a lot of things. And I have a feeling that you're also um, not as well. I don't know. Maybe you can tell me if your if your facade would would if you're as patriotic as 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 you would appear to be. I mean, you, you like you look the part, dude. Like you're literally wearing a Bartlett for America shirt. You just came up with like your your cut off jean jacket. You're wearing your your brain bucket, uh, uh, you know, helmet on your on your awesome motorcycle. Uh, you look like a total badass, and you're up in my kitchen talking about you know what shotgun to get and all this stuff. But is that really like you're in the navy? I mean, people in the, in the armed forces a lot of times either mm-hmm. they do it uh, because of circumstance, either financially or um, uh, they usually financially is the only other option other than being like gung ho go Team America, you know. But what about you? What was your thought on on the navy in particular? Not what you did necessarily, right. but what was your motivation for going? Um, I, there's, there's, uh, you ever seen uh, the Jack Reacher movie with Tom Cruise? Yeah, I can't. He, ta- he talks about why people join the armed forces in that, and in, in he has a line in that movie about, there's like three reasons people join the armed forces, uh, for money, um, because they're, it, it's in the family, um, or they're looking for legal means to kill people. Okay. Um, and I think that you could break it down to, that's very simplistic. You could break it down to that. Because when you say for money, really there, there was a college money push, nineties and two thousands. It was all about right. you know getting GI Bill and things like that. Yeah, yeah. For me, it was a combination of that. Um, I had an older cousin who I didn't know very well. He was much much older than me. When I was nine, he was he'd been in for a couple of years already. Okay. Um, but he was in the Marine Corps, and I asked him one day when I was nine or ten years old. I said, you know, why did you join? He said, um, I had no discipline. And I knew, I knew, I was self-aware enough to know I needed discipline, and the Marine Corps gave it to me. Right. Um, and I, I was one. I, I was, I was the very much the rebel without a clue. Right. Not the cause. I, I had many causes. I was just a rebel without sure. a clue. Is what my mom used to say. And I knew I needed discipline as well. I knew that if I went to college, I was going to drink it away. Right. Um, my parents were more than willing to pay for it. Uh, they had the means, you know, to, they, they're not like super well off, but they would have sent me to college. Right. And I knew I would have squandered it. Hmm. And I wanted to save them from that. My, and one of the things is important to me is making sure I don't embarrass my mother. And she's, I'm from a big Italian family. And the last thing I need her to do is be getting phone calls about, and talking to her sisters and relatives and going to family reunions and hearing and having to rehash about what, you know, what stupid thing her son did. Right. I, I don't want her to ever have to have, I want her to be able to go and, and t- 
tell good stories. Oh, I'm proud of my son for doing this. Family is very important to you. I, uh, I've picked hi, up on yes that. No. Well, maybe how yeah. you. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to say family. I, I think anyone who says family is not important to them, it's because they were, you know, beat as a child and raised by a drug dealer. Well, but... let's say you have you have a strong sense of morals. I do. My yeah, I was. I I credit my parents for that. I was raised with a decent set of morals and ethics, um, but it. It, to me, it was just very much I need to do, make this one decision and take the control away from me for a moment and let the, the military mm-hmm. handle that. So I went to go mm-hmm. sign up. I was It was the beginning of my senior year in high school, a year before I graduated. I went to the recruiting office. Any of your buddies that you talked to, yeah. they were going? And you a guys buddy of mine like, joined the Navy. Okay. And he was telling, and I was dead set my whole, you know, I was going to join the Marine Corps. Okay. Um, and then uh, I went to the recruiting office. Um and the Marine Corps recruiter was out to lunch. And a buddy of mine at high, in high school who was already a senior um, and about to graduate had joined the Navy and was telling me all about, you know, regaled me with all these wonderful tales of how great it, it's going to be. Mm. So I was like, we're going to swab the deck together <laughs> and wear our bell bottom <laughs> pants. Or you know, the first rank <laughs> in the Navy is seaman, right? Yeah. yeah. The jokes. Uh, by the way, I did work with a guy whose last name was Sample. Nice. Yeah. Semen sample. Mm, no, he was that, Petty Officer Sample when I knew oh, him. Petty but Officer Sample. At some point before I knew him, he was Semen Sample, <laughs> yes. Um, so I went across the hall to the Navy office because I had been hearing about it and was like, oh, right. I'll, I'll take a look at it. Ended up joining the Navy instead. Okay. And, you know, I I made the right choice. I know that now. Uh, culturally, uh, the Marine Corps is a much different culture. Right. Their boot camp is designed to sort of break you down and make you one of the one of the pack. Right. Um. And that's all well and good. That works for their purposes, and I'm not like poo-pooing it. Uh, but it, the the Navy had a different uh, culture that I I think I fit you know much better in. Yeah, I think that's that's probably a smart call because um, I had a, I had a group of friends. So I was with the troublemakers in school, and sometimes I look back and if I creep on Facebook, which is very very rare, but every once in a while, if I hop on there, it's usually for the for the marketplace because that's a wonderful place. Um, I'll see some people from high school that I was friends with and they ended up going to the the armed forces. Now I don't know exactly cuz we've lost touch since I and mean, we're talking over 20 years. But these are motherfuckers that I used to steal bikes with and smoke weed and and sort of just you know some of these guys would 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 either be bullies or were bullied or were kind of taking these risky chances in life. I was always kind of not smart, but I always kind of took pause before I made any any decisions that ended up, you know, if I ended up in jail or some shit like that, which never happened, thank God, because I always kind of stopped myself right before something real bad would, would, would happen. But some of these guys were like fucking badass kids, man. And I go and I look and I'm like, holy shit, look at these guys. They're high-ranking officers in, like, the Air Force and they have their wife and their two kids and they're all cleaned up. And I'm like... That that asshole kid is still in them, and thank God they found mm-hmm. whatever branch it is, the Air Force or, or the Army or something like that, to sort of relieve that, give them, give them an outlet to kind of still be, a, for the lack of a better word, still be kind of a dickhead or, or, or be physical or be aggressive or have that kind of macho mentality in a way, but do it productively and then let them kind of find their own own path in life without 
being a car thief or something fucked up. And uh, I think about it sometimes and I go, man, I, I you know, maybe I would have done okay with something like that. But I was so fucking scared. Like to me, it's so scary go, uh, what you said, which mm-hmm. is kind of relinquishing control and letting someone kind of, all right, dude, this is what you're doing now for the next two or four years, right, whatever Right, it is. and that's important. But it, I will say it does take a certain amount of arrogance and a certain amount of bravado to grab a gun and go run into a room right. full of people who could potentially kill you. And I think you need that kind of mentality and you need a certain level of uh, that arrogance and that, that confidence to to do that. So you don't want someone who is scared of danger, who's scared to steal a bike or scared to you know jump off the roof on a dare. You right. want someone who's willing to do that. Um, and then what the military does is it takes those parts about your personality and hones that and focuses it on mm. this is the mission. So it's not you're not doing stupid shit for the sake of stupid shit. You're doing crazy shit for the sake of something good. Right, and you, I think that that it it, it take everyone has the potential to do well, and, and the military finds what you're you're good at and uh, and hones it. Were and, they and good at that? It. You think? Were they able to sort of um, figure figure you out for the lack of better words mm-hmm. and, and and help you on your path? Yes and no. They they help you on the path you're on with them. They're not going to help you on the path you're on for the rest of your life. For me, it was, I, I did seven years and I got out. It, I was not a lifer. I was not going to. It's a while, though. It is No, it, it's definitely a while. Especially for, because isn't it four is the four average. Four is kind of like yeah. average, and then at that point, either either you're a lifer or you're not. Right. Um, if you hit the 10-year mark. Yeah. That's the determinant. If you hit 10, you might as well hit the, finish the 20. Right. We always said that. So I, um, I, I hit seven, and I got a really great job offer uh, on the civilian side. And I was, I was dumb. I was 27. I was an idiot. I should have stayed, to be honest. Like I'd be, I'd I was be retiring. Say, do you regret kind of? Uh, Sometimes I do. After seven years, that's. Do you get any perks still? Oh, I have healthcare for life. Oh, okay. So I. That's I, a nice perk. Shit. I, I'll be honest. I don't know uh, what happened during the whole Obamacare thing. Right. I didn't pay attention to it. Yeah. Because I knew there were like penalties for not having healthcare. Something like, well, I had the VA, so I'm good, right? So I just never even thought about it. Yeah. And I think there was. There, I don't, I don't, I still to this day don't know if I should have gotten like paid for some sort of something on the government website or something. I've just always been able to walk into the VA hospital and get covered for a small copay because I, I served in a, in technically in a war zone and that gets me covered for, you know, ever. Were you ever in like imminent danger without talking about specifically what you did or was it more behind the scenes kind of stuff? Um, no, I don't think I was. At, oh, yeah, I mean, that depends on how you look at it. Uh, being in a Humvee riding around in Baghdad, that's technically, you know, I, I think anyone would consider that at that time. I would think uh, that's a dangerous spot to be. Yeah, well, yeah. You know, Imminent danger. Over a decade ago, yeah. It was, um, you know, it, it was dangerous back then. I don't, I never, I was never in, you know, put into, you know, live action dangerous situations. Right, like a uh, combat. I do believe once. I heard that a mortar <laughs> landed outside my trailer that I slept in, uh, but I, that apparently EOD showed up and took the mortar, like put, took the the, the ordinance away. I, what were you? I, I woke where up were, that you? Uh, were you? I was asleep. Okay. Yeah. It just you know just thud. <laughs> yeah. And you know my roommate came in. He's like, oh yeah, EOD was out there. They were clearing a you know a mortar that landed like twenty feet from where we. Were. <laughs> it's like okay. 
I think that was the story. I it's been so long. Yeah. I feel like I'm I'm the like you asked me earlier. Um, Am I as patriotic as you think I yeah, am? Yeah, yeah. And and that's me going completely off. I'll ask here's, one question and yeah. I'll just derail completely. So here's the unpopular opinion that I have that I think uh, would aggravate a lot of servicemen. Okay. I am, I, I would consider myself patriotic. I am very much not into forced or shamed patriotism. Okay. Where... People try to guilt or shame people into being patriotic, mm. to show your patriotism in a certain Fucking way. Fucking hate that. That you have. This is this is like you. You're not a patriot unless you do X. Right. I loathe that. Don't you think that's kind of counter what we stand for? Exactly. And that's that's the problem with it. Is it? There. Take your hat off. Show your respect. Like right. There was there was this movement for a while, and and, and I did kind of benefit from it right after 9/11. I had joined a year before 9/11, so. I Do, think, would you like some yeah, more? Yeah, no, definitely give me some more beer. Um, I joined the Navy a year before 9-11. I was in boot camp when the USS Cole happened. Okay. I don't know if you remember that. That was- Sure. Uh, the, that was that uh, that ship destroyer. that got uh, terror terrorist attack on it. Yeah, yeah. Killed a bunch of fucking people. Rode up next to it in the water in with like a little a dinghy, dinghy, or, yeah. dinghy and, and blew up. It was fucked up. So I was in boot camp for that. And then a year later, my first deployment, I'm overseas in Australia and 9-11 happens. I come back after that deployment to the U.S., and I'm about seven, eight months after 9-11, and the country is different. It is changed. How are you going to go from Belgian to- Oh, fuck off. Don't even say it. All right. I'll, I'll give you a hint, folks. The mountains on his can <laughs> are still blue. <laughs> Thanks to my igloo cooler mm-hmm. over here. Yeah. So I came back to a different America. It was, a, it was very much this one where when I left San Diego- um, sailors and marines were kind of loathed by the public when we go to the mall people could spot us from a mile away we looked you know like sailors and marines right and local businesses and, and locals who lived in San Diego didn't like us very much because we were just tr- you know dumb kids out there causing trouble and I come back and it's much different I went to a mall in New Jersey I was seeing a girl in New Jersey uh, it, um, I'd come to visit a girl in New Jersey. And She's from Canada. You wouldn't know her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I went to high school with her. <laughs> oh, okay. uh, I actually dated her sister in high school, and this was years later I was oh, dating her. scandalous motherfucker. <laughs> um, but uh, I just hung out with her last a couple weeks ago. Uh, She's married with five kids. Now. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Well, um, you got out at the right time, my man. Yes, sir. So I go to the mall, and I buy myself a really nice watch. And okay. I got like a 40% War, what, we, what we were calling at the time the war hero discount. War hero discount. If you were in the military, holy crap. You you, you made were, out. Yeah, you were the great. I think that gave way to an ego that now it, it would turn around and it it, it it sort of echoed back on itself or, or, or that sentiment reflected back onto the public uh, where the public was very much sort of support our troops, support our troops. And then that faded out. Mm-hmm. And then it got turned around back onto the public and it was, hey, support your troops. So everyone would turn around, and in order to be a good American, you have to. You, people almost brag about, "Oh, I support my troops." Right. I do you support the troops? And it's right. it's this thing that I'm better than you. I'm more righteous than you because I support the troops, and, and clearly you don't because you don't have a flag in front of your house or you don't do this. And that when, when the when people who are in the military, service members who do that, who uh, shame civilians. And you should support your troops and you should you do this. And this is how you should be a good American. When they start doing and telling the public how to be patriotic, mm-hmm. you get into this you know, quasi-fascist territory that is – and, and it, I don't think it's 
intended to be fascist. I think it's intended to be egomaniacal. I think it's people just want to be praised for their, because you're not getting much else. Let me tell you, aside from the college money and some health care, depending on where you served, you're you're not making out like a bandit, like corporate America. You're not making out like the, the guys in Wall Street who, who screwed up. You're, you know, you, you served and you got out. Right. So what else do you have? Where, where else do you get your benefits? And some of them will definitely try and shame the public into this. Well, do you think it's become support? Be, because of so? I, I remember that. I mean, I can go. I can go back and and say I I understand the '90s. I, I think we've been through some things in the '70s where we've learned where we where people came back from, say Vietnam, and it's it's been known from my understanding that there was no support. Oh no! Uh, for troops baby coming killers. back from that, right? Yeah, baby killers, baby killers. There, and the yeah. general public was, uh, uh, at least how the media portrayed it. They they weren't liked when they came back home. Uh, they were they were demonized a little bit. No, they were considering the, they were considered the willing arm of a government they they disagreed with, and that was the problem. They, their anger was should have been focused at the government who decided to send people overseas, right? And the who did they when when. Who do they have direct access to? They couldn't go talk to uh, Nixon or Johnson or anybody. So they, the, the soldiers coming home, that's who they could interface with. Right. And that's who they took because their anger they, out that, on. That's who they had access to. Right. You didn't have access to the higher-ups. You had access to these people. And these people were technically just doing their job. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of them didn't even agree. I mean, you're, you're ba- you, you were there. You basically did what you were told to do. You don't have much room to say no i i don't agree with this i'm not going to go do that um I, I don't think you have that freedom maybe in some cases but in the marines for example you fucking do what you're told like that's right. the way it works but the, the idea that everyone's a robot and there isn't smart decision makers because i will say there are well, people middle management who are what they you know they're, they're shit screens they protect their boys and and girls uh from the higher ups making dumb decisions or giving right. you know coming up with they, policies they might that have are, the ability to question some of the not even question it they just they, they their their job is to receive instructions and then they convey instructions down and they will do so you know they're, they're given the authority to, to make the decisions in the battlefield so they interpret it a little bit some, how yes and they no. it, it, I mean, obviously this is like i think anyone who's who's serving is probably gonna have an issue with me for saying it that way but they're it, it, it's also in just how people are leaders. Okay. You know a good leader because they look out for you. Right. Um, they find a way to get the job, get the end goal done and to the satisfaction of their superiors. Right. But in a fashion that doesn't... Minimize. Um, well, uh, that doesn't jeopardize you or, or alienate you or, or make you do something you shouldn't have to do or something like that. Um, then you have people way down at the bottom like people in Abu Ghraib who, you know, just... You know, decide to go off the rails and right. you know act like you know complete dicks. I fucking remember that shit. That was crazy. Uh, but so so in the seventies, you had this uh, sentiment of like fuck you, mm-hmm. uh, uh, armed forces and all this stuff. Uh, and then I think during I don't know when when the shift happens happened, but I think uh, Desert Storm in the nineties, that sort of thing. That was more televised. Internet was taking over. People were able to watch it, see what happened. It became like this fucking weird reality TV show. Mm-hmm. Patriotic sense became, I don't know exactly where it came from, but it, it almost became something that you would, uh, uh, it almost reinvigorated 
the general public to be very supportive of the armed forces of the military yeah. and and the great stuff that we're doing and then of course you the had, sacrifice they were making it yeah. was it was very much like i was in third grade and uh um actually i took third grade twice so i don't know which time it was that i took uh, that i had this but i had a pen pal on the uss enterprise he was a, a sailor in the navy um i believe his first name was david i don't remember anything else about him your but, name is David. Uh, my legal first name is David, yes. I knew it. See, I got you figured out. Yeah. Uh, but my Buck. Mi- my, Buck, my, my middle name is Buck. And uh, Why do you go by Buck anyway? Um, it's cooler. It, combination of reasons. One, it's super cool. I mean, <laughs> it's it's a, is, it is it, pretty it's cool. It's a I'm sci-fi. It's a you know, <laughs> uh, classic sci-fi character. Uh, it's also Buck is my mom's last name, and Rogers is my dad's last name. Oh. Pardon me. You so, could have burped into the mic. That's all right. Um. So I was named, I, I have both my parents' last names, okay. and I was like, well, that's awesome. I get to like represent them both in my yeah, name. That's kind of cool of them to but do that. I'll be honest, it helped me out in the Navy so much. Being Buck. Oh, Buck Rogers? Yeah. Like, everyone, all the senior brass and just stuff, they knew exactly. Yeah. Guys my age had no, and younger had no idea right, who right. it was, so I, they just thought I was named after, like, a, like I had a porn star name. Right. It does, it does sound kind of porn it does. star. But the, the older guys, they, you know, the, the, all the uppers, they, they thought it was hilarious and awesome. So I would get really good treatment. Yeah. And it, even now, it gets me job interviews. Even if I'm not even qualified for the job, I can go put in for, for something. And they're like, but I got to meet this guy. And I'll get pulled in for an interview. David Rogers, you sound like a nerd. Exactly. That's my, that's my dad. He, he's a scientist, <laughs> by the way. He's, he's got a PhD. And, yeah, that's that's a very that. nerd name. No mm-hmm. offense. Buck Rogers, you sound like a badass. Yeah. Uh, where was I? We were talking about the uh, oh, well, uh, the transition from uh, from from loathing the military, seeing them as an arm of the government you disagree right. with, into now. And I think you're right. Desert Storm changed into where uh, you had the C- CNN 24 hour feed of well, Baghdad. Okay, so changed it. Right. So you had the you had the 24. The general public had ac- direct access to what it's like in in the 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 mix of things. Mm-hmm. Now they probably. I mean, it's studio magic to some degree. I trust CNN as much as I, I trust, you know. Now or then? Because then you didn't have much studio magic. <clears throat> well, no, no, no. So by studio magic, I don't mean that they're editing stuff, but but they show you what they want to show you. Uh, you yes. don't You don't really... You weren't in a Humvee per se. It was always like, remember that that footage? Like it was real far away, and you would see the city at night, like Baghdad, and you would see the flashes and stuff in and the night would, vision green. Yeah, yeah, in the night. <laughs> and you would see those like tracers, f- f- fucking shooting through the night. Is this and stuff. Desert Storm, or are you talking about the more recent one? Oh no, no, Desert Storm in particular. Right. Um. But but the, I think what made it uh, so much, what changed it is that because we have this direct communication now. Husbands, boyfriends, sons were like literally text, like cell phones were like taking, starting to take over. You would get like calls and text messages and like back, back in the sixties and seventies, like you're writing letters, you know, three Mm -hmm. weeks later, the mom would open it and the son would be like, Oh, today we had a, uh, a fight with the, you know, well, uh, even when I was in writing letters was big. Because well, yeah. you didn't have act. I mean, he had email, and this is like circa two thousand three, two thousand four, two thousand five. Like email was big, but we'd still like writing letters because you'd send packages and stuff too. Right. That was big. But send a what, salami to your boy in the army. Wasn't, <laughs> wasn't that thing? The, the 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 interesting thing about Desert Storm with the CNN feed. Have you seen that movie with Michael Keaton? No. There's a movie with Michael Keaton and Helena Bonham Carter 
about the first CNN team that went to Baghdad you right before the invasion. One of the most obscure movies ever. Yeah. Like, well, because I, I love uh, Helena Bottom Jesus Carter, Christ. and it's one okay. of her best. I don't even know who that is. Oh, uh, you do. Have you seen any Harry Potters? Well, have you seen Fight Club? <laughs> don't, don't get me started on Harry Potter. Have you yes, seen I, Fight Club? I, She's the woman yeah. from Fight Club. Okay, gotcha. Okay. So, um, you got re- you, you're passionate about her. <laughs> oh, yeah, she's fantastic. She was the queen. She played the queen mom in uh, The King's Speech. I don't know I'm, what that I'm is. I'm a total movie nerd. So, uh, there's this- She's they, the they, queen's mom. Yeah, I forget the name of this movie, uh, but it's, it, it, take, it talks about CNN going into Baghdad for the, for the invasion uh, after Kuwait, and they didn't have live feeds for video. The best- they had uh, during the initial bombing of, of Baghdad was an audio feed um, that they were like, they had to ask the kingdom of Jordan to use like a, Fucking a, a, a hookup through their country yeah. to get up to the satellites. And you had this, this reporter just in a hotel room watching out the window, describing what was going right. on. That was the closest you could get. Yeah. You're talking early nineties. Right. Right. So you think in the nineties were super advanced, but, there that that was the the best we had at the time mm. which was actually for wartime reporting you know very advanced and very r- real time and then it's just gone you know skyrocketed from there all the way to Brian Williams lying about being in a helicopter crash or lying about doing something with, I forget what happened with him buck i'm i'm cha- i'm shifting gears here oh okay we are we, we're at 48 minutes 40 49 minutes okay you know about the book I'm Which, writing? Uh, no. Okay. No, we're not. We're not going to talk about your book. You're, that's going to be your plug at the end. Okay. You're gonna. You're gonna plug your book. <laughs> I need to keep things moving. Go. <laughs> okay. Who's running the show here? You fucker. Hold on, hold on. You're trying hold new on. things. Hold on. You're so, trying new things. So, slow down here, because first of all, what I was going to go get to, Mister Buck in the Basement, mm-hmm. is that uh, patriotism took a major shift with 9/11. And if you didn't take your hat off at a game because they were singing the national anthem, you were a big fucking asshole yeah. and you were basically shamed into. And I was I was a dick in school and I always pushed the envelope. I was that kid that wouldn't stand up for the Pledge of Allegiance, not because not because I don't love the country, not because I don't believe in our freedoms, not none of that shit. I was just a dickhead that didn't want to conform to National my anthem asshole or pledge teachers. Of allegiance? <clears throat> this well, is two, two different ones. Good point. It was the Pledge of Allegiance. In, in school? In school. Me too. Seventh grade, I got dragged so, down to the principal's right. office for so that. So I didn't fucking stand up right. and because I was just a dick and I was always just pushing, just fucking, who cares? Like, whatever. For my whatever logic, reason. My logic for that in seventh grade was yeah. that my parents gave vows at their wedding. Right. To they, they pledge allegiance to each other at their wedding, and they don't have to yeah. do that every morning. Right. So if my country is so insecure that me saying it, you know, once a year or ever isn't enough, that you need me to say it every morning. Right. What the what the hell's wrong with you? What what kind, what what weird sort of indoctrination is that? And that was my logic at, at seventh grade. Well, seventh I was with you. So seventh grade, my thing was. Uh, one nation under God. I've never been a, a big God guy. And I, I, I always had a, a sort of issue with religion being shoved down my throat by the government. Um, and it was all these little things and just being a dick teenager, whatever. However, fast forward now a bunch of years after nine 11, if you're that guy, you're like risking bodily harm 
you know, 2003 Mm -hmm. at a baseball game and the fighter jets are flying over and Mm -hmm. they're doing the national anthem and you don't want to take your hat off. You're literally risking bodily harm to make the decision Mm -hmm. that says, well, no, I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to eat my popcorn and just sort of uh, check my email on my phone here while you guys sort of do what you want to do to support your country. It doesn't mean I don't support the country. It doesn't mean that I'm not in in your club and and it's fucked up. So a lot of people are, are, were like forced to not be themselves. Oh yeah. And 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 I and I just thought it was just a very bizarre thing going on there. Um because the country sort of represents freedom, individuality as long as you do it how we tell you to do it. No, that and and that's really weird. That's the kitschy thing right there is that it, it it's it you have to be this specific kind of free, this specific kind of you have to fit this mold. And that that was that was the weird shift. It was no longer about being an individual and being free. It was about no, we're all part of this and we're in together. We were all attacked. So now we have to to band together uh and 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 unify to be against this thing. And are you part of the team? No. I mean we, we locked up the Japanese in, in the forties because we weren't sure if they were with us. They were Americans, but we banded together because we were attacked by someone, so we band together and alienate that, those who scare us. And I think that we, if, if you see something that isn't like exactly like you, it scares you. And that has, this is the, you're, you're on a mass scale. And I, I'm like I said earlier, this is unpopular opinions I have because I am a you know, I'm, I'm a gun toting you know vet, war veteran. Do you have any guns? Bob? Oh yeah, I have a couple. What do you have? Huh. Uh, I got a, I got a, a, a Turkish nine millimeter a that uh, I love. Yeah, fucking leave it to you to have like the <laughs> weirdest goddamn gun. What do you, what do you it's, mean it's, a Turkish nine millimeter? Is it a handgun? No, it's a company called Canic. They they make uh, they make some interesting handguns, and I I, I bought one. Um, they're imported by an American company. Uh, I have a Austrian Sig. Austrian Sig. Yeah. Uh-huh. I have a survival rifle that breaks down and fits into a backpack. That's kind of cool. Like a little twenty-two for hunting varmints. Yeah, I'm, I, I got a whole, whole little D-Day kit put together. That's, that's, yeah, that's mainly your, what I in your I go bag or something. Yeah. Do you do you have a D-Day kit really? I'm I'm putting it together. Yeah, I have a go bag okay. and I have yeah I have a little. It's I'll be honest. Like back to the unpopular opinion thing, I'm a super super you know Bartlett for America liberal right. guy um, who is happy that the second amendment exists right uh because it it i think it it does serve a purpose i think it's wildly misinterpreted um and right now i'm okay with that because i do not think we i i I think our current president is uh has gestapo and ss um potential and i'm like well i don't want that so I, mm. I want to be allowed to get an assault rifle. Right. Uh, me and the you know eighty thousand people in my particular county or whatever, and uh, all of that. But and that's you know I, that's I'm not a hundred percent serious if on you, that. If you had to, if you had to take the Second Amendment, yeah. right, and give me one sentence as to what your interpretation of the Second Amendment is, what would that be? I think that. Um, that's tough. You got to Be- sum it up, man. Well, don't give me don't. Yeah. You're, now you're getting into constitutional law and understanding. Ma- no, no, no. What it means to Buck? What it means to me? Yeah. What is your interpretation in one sentence? Like what? What's the root of? If you tell me it's the right to bear arms and that's my right. Okay. Well, that's your opinion. Or is it something a little more more? Uh, well, I don't, unique I, than that. I think it's. I, th- I think it was ill written. 
Oh, and that's not true. Sorry, let me let me correct that. It was perfect for its time. I think it was it was written a little too vague. And its purpose, it's in, in I believe that its in, in initial purpose was that uh, at that time there the, the colonies didn't have a standing army aside, you know, for uh, there was one formed shortly thereafter, but everyone it was all militias, local militias, you know, lo, you know, your colonies had their militias and your uh, they banded together and you know they agreed to we're going to join up and we're going to fight the British and things like that. Um, what they didn't want was a government to be able to take all the weapons away from the people, so they couldn't form militias. So they couldn't fight back if if the government decided to overthrow them. They didn't have Gatling guns and and heat-seeking missiles and um, nukes in mind, and they didn't see weaponry going that way. They wrote it for the time, but they also wrote the Constitution to be um, this this fluid document that can be edited, that can be updated for the times. We're not letting it do that. We're not. No one's willing to touch that one, especially because. Um, the, the and there, there's been some some documentaries that talk about when when it would become huge Second Amendment freaks. The Second Amendment was n- no one cared about it until like I think it was like the late seventies, early eighties. Yeah, people started caring about it. Right, it was not this big ticket political item back in this you know fifties, sixties, and you know early seventies. It wasn't, and now it is. Now it's this this thing that's used to basically it, it's it's a it's a fear tactic. It's Hey, if people mess with this, if there's gun control, that means they're trying to take your guns away. That means they're trying to they're trying to limit your privacy. But by the way, uh, don't sleep with a dude. So like w- there there's this weird dichotomy to um, the, the mentality of the Second Amendment. It's like you know, it, it they, they they talk about it like it's you should fear the government, right? But I don't I don't think it, it has anything to do with that. If if I if I play devil's advocate, yeah. Um, which I do. I am. Mm-hmm. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. However, I like to. I like to explore the options that there's a little more than what we're being told per se. Okay. And uh, for the Second Amendment, for example, it was always my understanding that the the point of it was that let the people be able to arm themselves because you want you you want to be able to defend yourself against the government. Right. So that way the government never becomes stronger than the people in a, um, let's call it a military sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, because there's some rules that don't really make sense. If the if the government is allowed to have this, why can't I? That's right. not fair. But the culture at the time was that, when it was written, right. was such that, that the public had weapons... And as such, they could form militias and fight back against something. If you take those weapons away, they're not able to do that. So right. don't don't take their weapons away. Give them the opportunity to form militias and fight back if they they need to. Let's right. write that into the Constitution. Right. That to me is how I see it. Yeah. Um, now the irony is now we've had it for so long. The public's pretty well armed. Um, I even if the public didn't have um, the, the Second Amendment, even if we weren't armed the way we were, say it was like Australia. Right. Right. Or anywhere in Europe where there's strict gun control, say it was like that. Australia was a big prison. And say that the the government decided, yeah, it was. <laughs> say that the the government decided they were going to try and institute martial law and mm-hmm. and and use the military against the people. The military is made up of the people. How many people do you think in the U, in the U.S. military are going to desert 
and or use the equipment they have control of to fight on back. On their own people. Yeah, no, no, not our own people, mm-hmm. but on the, the forces in the government who are mm-hmm. trying to use the military against the people. Right. We're, that's the, the, the irony of this, patri- this forced patriotism that I, I sort of oppose. Um, the irony of it is that we're so patriotic that if you told the U.S. military to, know enslave the American people, it wouldn't happen. You couldn't, you couldn't get enough of the U.S. armed forces to do that. It just wouldn't happen unless, and this, and this I was alluded to the book I was writing, unless you you followed certain steps to convince enough of the armed forces that there were, and this now we're getting on Hitler territory that you should fear the public and they need right. to be enslaved. Right. And da, 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 da. There's a hidden, there's a hidden enemy. Somehow over. make it that that's the right thing to do. Exactly. But other than even, but in this modern age with with the internet and with how quickly information flows. And how confusing it could be with all the different signals being sent out there, you know, different kinds of information. I don't think you get enough of the U.S. military to follow you into a, you know, a coup, essentially, and try to do that. Jesus Christ, Buck. You, when are you starting your own podcast? Because you can go on about this. I had, like, a bunch of questions mm-hmm. ready for you. You haven't touched that book and in front of you. I, I haven't at all. We, we've gotten to you being in the Navy. And yeah. from there, this is where we ended up. Now we're talking about... Yeah. I want to know about your book. Go ahead and give me like a, a brief sum of that. <laughs> fucking, I can't reel you in. You, okay. you just go. I, and I knew you were a talker, and that's why I had you down here because I can't. Oh, I can't, no, no, you're kicking I yourself. No, no, yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> kind of. But uh, I can't invite somebody over that I know is like not going to talk mm-hmm. because what fucking fun is that? Just to have me ask them a bunch of questions to get one word answers, right? Not gonna happen. You freaking talk. That's why I have you here. But we have not gotten anywhere in my goddamn interview, and you're gonna drink your port, and you're gonna let me ask some fucking questions. <laughs> All right, goddamn it. First off, you know what I really like? You haven't asked, you haven't said thank you for your service. <laughs> no, I'm serious. I hate that. I, there's, that. there's a great article out there. You I'll, signed I'll up for that shit, dude. Exactly. I mean, come on. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Damn right, I did. It's your goddamn right. job. Uh, right, go ahead and ask your questions. I'm going to pour this. So, uh, you've got me all flustered here, buddy. What I thought was interesting was um, you rode your motorcycle for a wh- for a while. You you did a cross country trip, um, and I, I wanted to mess with that a little bit, but mm-hmm. shit, now I'm a little scared of touching. It was that not. One. I feel, it was not exciting. It wasn't. No. If anyone out there is ever thinking about. Uh, I thought we were at two hours for a second. I did too. And I, I was like, like had an a hour attack. fifty-five. Like, I knew the dude could talk, but really, <laughs> shit. Um, a cross-country motorcycle trip is not like. Was it boring as fuck? No, it was not. It was not boring, but it was. Granted, <laughs> I wasn't an experienced. Yeah, I was not an experienced rider. Right. I had been riding a tiny little Honda Cruiser for a, a few months, like okay. maybe six months, and I went down to Texas. Uh, or, or a cousin of mine lives in, in Austin, and I bought a Harley, like a real bike. Um, and I, I spent 30 days learning how, how to ride it. How is a Harley a real bike versus the little Honda Cruiser that you have? Trust me. You get on it, you can tell you're on a you're on a, a solid thing made of, like, steel. You get on a Honda, and half the parts are plastic, and you're you're zipping around through traffic. Yeah. And I'm not talking about the crotch rockets. I'm talking about, like, the cruisers. Right. They have no torque. They have their... They're just they they don't have balls as it would say. Right. You get on a Harley and you twist that throttle, you can feel you're on a solid, well-made machine that is going to that lives at seventy miles an hour. Mm. Like that's a it, it, there there's this, there's a distinct difference. Um, so I spent a month learning how to ride it in Austin, 
and then I just headed, the Harley. Yeah, and then I just headed west. What what Harley model was it? Uh, it is a Dyna Street Bob. Dyna Street Bob. Okay. Dyna is the frame, and then Street Bob is that version of the frame where they have the fenders cut a certain way and things like that. Um, and that was, it was, like not like a vision quest, but I had. You know, I was I was just turning thirty, and I was like, "Oh, I got too much drama in my life, and I needed to go find myself." Well, let me ask you: So, yeah. you're thirty, you want to go find yourself? Mm-hmm. You did the military thing till maybe about twenty-seven. Mm-hmm. You bounced around a little bit. There's other jobs that no, you I had. had, I had that a were... solid job in D.C. for about three years, and it was really great. Okay, where I also learned about I worked I worked under the table. I had a government job, but I also worked under the table at a liquor store. Just to learn about booze and get paid twenty bucks an hour to nice. Yeah, you know, I that. feel like that's that's a kind of job where you could learn some shit. Oh, at. I did, yeah. Huh. And it's, so, what always fascinates me is you're a risk taker to some degree. Mm-hmm. Not everybody can say, "Hey, I'm going to join the Navy and be comfortable with that decision," or "I'm I'm going to go find myself and I'm going to I'm going to trade in my my little Honda two fifty and I'm going to get this fucking badass Harley." And, Honda uh, 600. No, Honda 600. Sorry. Thanks for crazy. That's not, that's not that little of a bike. I mean, sure, the Harley's a step up, but it's, it's not difference. like... Yeah, I'm sure, but it's not like a little uh, little 250 Nighthawk or whatever. Um, go, <laughs> Jesus Christ, go ahead. What? Did I say something wrong? I, I think it only comes in a 750, that Nighthawk. But anyway, continue. <laughs> hmm. All right. Well, whatever. I have my motorcycle license, but... I have a Razor scooter. That's about it. I don't have a motorcycle. I wish I did. And the only Honda that I ever rode was an XL75 little dirt bike. All right? Mm-hmm. Anyway, fucker. Continue. So you had the option. You had the luxury, if you will, to go explore. Some people don't get that, sadly. Um do you think that's important? Like, even at 30 years old, so, so now the culture's changed so much. People live at home until they're 30. Like, people don't bat an eye at that. It seems to be almost commonplace. Well, maybe not commonplace, but relatively normal to be at home until 30, possibly beyond. Mm-hmm. Um, you're pointing at yourself. <laughs> I left and for 15 years, right. and then I came home, and I'm now 38, and I still live with my parents. But Do you think that's important? Like, if you had a kid... Would you would you be like, dude, go? I, I the house is here. Come home anytime. Oh, yeah. Go fucking because I I I was not in that environment ever, and I can speak to uh, a lot of my peers as well. Where it was a necessity. It was a matter of we didn't have an option. I didn't get to cross the country because I had to. I I I was f- making cheesesteaks saving my money to get like maybe i don't know save up for my first car and shit like Mm -hmm. that whereas some of my friends their parents would say oh you're going to college next year why don't you take the summer off we'll fund this and this or go explore i mean it might have been a little different with you but always had that option to kind of come home would you would you say that's super important to have that option to come home and let somebody explore or uh, would you say that it's that it might have spoiled you a little bit and it might be a more beneficial for someone to say, you're not fucking coming home. You need to go out and like figure shit out, but don't don't think this door is open all the time. Right. But your tone, it, your, your tone suggests that there's a motive. There's a difference in motive. So my re, the reason I'm allowed to come home anytime I want or stay with my parents anytime I want is because I left right after high school. Right. I went 
and I served for seven years, and then I did another three uh, on top of that. Um, well, you've been in, out. In you've you've certainly yeah, proven yeah, yeah. yourself. But I, I did that, and then I was fortunate enough to make a lot of money at the time when I was working on the civilian side in D.C., and saved up like something like $24,000. Mm. And that's not common. And I had nowhere to go. I quit my job because I didn't want it anymore. And I wanted to change careers. I wanted to get out of the government. I was, in, I was working in the government for 10 years. And I was like, that's a career to me. Like 10 right. years is a career. What's next? What's new? My dad spent 29 years working for the same company and he loved it uh, at times. And then he didn't at others, but I'm not, I, I knew I wasn't built that way. I wanted right. to find out what was next. So I went and bought that Harley and I roamed around the country. That's, and I think once I got to San Diego and I was staying with some old Navy buddies, I watched the movie Eat, Pray, Love. And I'm like, oh shit, that's me. That's <laughs> and then I, re- I did some research and I found out why Eat, Pray, Love resonated with me. Is I had the opportunity, I had the money. Right. In the movie, have you ever seen Eat, Pray, nope. Love? Okay. Every movie this, you've mentioned tonight, by the way, I have not seen. You know, it, um, uh, Every okay. single All he watches one. is re, re, like The Office on full loop. That's not true no? at all. Okay. No. So Eat, Pray, Love no is about buck. this woman who she takes a, 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 a journey around David. the world to find herself. And she goes to a place to eat. She goes to a place to pray. And she goes and? to a place to love. Oh. Well, actually, it was Eat, Pray, and something else. But she ended up falling in love. Right. And she changed the name later. Okay. So she went to Italy, India, and then Bali. Um, the reason, the only way she was able to take, able to afford taking a year off and doing that was she sold the idea to a publishing company for the book and they gave her a hundred thousand dollar advance. So she took a year and did it. Right. Not everyone has that opportunity. And she was highly criticized. The author was highly criticized for that. And because she sold the idea of a book of like, go find yourself. It's like, right. wait a minute. You have to have the means to you do that. You have to have the means to do that. So right. I, I, I luckily had the means to do that. And I was, I was, you know, atypical enough to be like, nah, screw it. I'll, tr- I'll start a new career. Yeah. I ended up getting a degree in events and tourism management. And I've been working in events and tourism ever since. Right. And that's, it's, it's not like super sexy. It's not going to make me a crap ton of money. I'm going to have fun along the way. No, but, but you had the option to kind of go out there, explore a little right. bit, figure figure your shit out. You know, you're not chasing the the almighty dollar. You're kind of just chasing life. Which I should have been because well, I made a lot of money over the years, and I should well. have been putting it some of it in a retirement account. And not to brag, but I don't have much of one. Um, uh, what, but going to br- your going bragging home, at all. <laughs> going <laughs> not to brag, but I have no retirement yeah. fund. Go, going back to what you're saying about going home, there there was this shift, I believe it was in the 70s, there was this shift where you need to get out of the house and you need to go yeah. get your own place. 50s, get the fuck out. 40s, 50s, 60s, you lived with your parents till you got married. We were not unlike other like Yeah, but kids were getting cultures. married at 18, 19 years old. Uh, Commonplace. No, post-college, early 20s, but yeah, you're right. It wasn't uncommon for the t- for the teens, but I, I think it was, well, watch The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, they're, Jesus Christ, that's like the eighth guy. Uh, I watch a lot of TV. That's how I save money. <laughs> I sit around doing nothing for six months. I save up my money and then I go do something. I watch TV uh, the whole yeah, time. Yeah, I watch a lot of Netflix. Um, but there, there was this very, we were culturally very much, you know, get married, then get out of the house. But if right. you don't get married, you're staying in your house. Yeah. And m- even right now, I came, I came, I was on the road touring and doing events for a number of years and I decided I wanted to get off the road and I got the job where I met your wife. Um, and I moved to my hometown and my mom was like, yeah, don't spend money on an apartment in your hometown. You're going to spend ha- any of your free time visiting, like spending time with your family anyway, like live here. Why? And unless you have a significant other and you need your, your, you know, your own space and stuff, or unless right. you really want to, right. otherwise stay here, save your money 
And I did. I saved up a decent amount of money, and I've been, you know, taking the last two months now just traveling. And that, it. I think your hashtag to me was no job, no prob, or something like that when I asked you to come Monday (laughs) for a. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, when are you free? I'm like, I am always free. (laughs) I have nothing to do. This makes it easy. I've been sitting in my my bedroom. Quiet. I've been home. I mean, I I get up at six this morning. I'm like busting my ass. I come home at 5.30 battling traffic. I'm trying to set up these stupid microphones. You roll up on your motors like, you're like, hey, man. No job, no prob. What's up, yeah, Pete? Let's yeah. drink some beer. I'm like, all right, this is yeah. this is gonna be fun. But but uh, and if you don't mind me saying, you have a gorgeous wife. If I had your situation, <laughs> I would be. I, I it, it, the grass is always greener. Yeah, she's me, pretty awesome. I'm 38. Yeah, I have never been in a relationship longer than 12 months. See, and that's not why can we lead for a with lack this? of trying. Because well, you know what? No, I, I, I hate. Well, hold on. I'm a hopeless romantic. So, uh, you I are. Want that. You you are. Yeah. And I learned that about you. And we were we were joking around a couple weeks ago when you were hanging out that that we literally learned that you are very um. You are a hopeless romantic. You you're almost uh, not traditional, but you have a very sweet kind of. Um, mm-hmm. I have a very sweet vision or ideology of what kind of a partnership mm-hmm. or uh when you're finding I think I referenced house of cards I, but I like that you're calling it sweet. <laughs> <laughs> you're also a creep in a lot of ways, but you That's know what's true. really weird my fucking microphone keeps dropping lower and lower before you know it I'm going to be your sitting chair. on the fl- Just pull the lever and drop your chair. <laughs> <laughs> oh go. my god, look. <laughs> you're so smart, boy. So um yeah, you are a hopeless romantic and you, uh, really 12 months at 30 what are you 37 38? 38 38 I had a relationship that lasted and you still talk to these chicks. Like some these of are them, some yeah. Of them. You've had a bunch of relationships. When I say that, but, I mean that like we did I did a lot of I think between 25 and 35 <laughs> I did a lot of breaking some up exploring. Yeah. <laughs> I did a lot of break up and get back together stuff. Okay. And when I say I haven't been in a relationship longer than a year is it uninterrupted mm-hmm. i've had relationships that have, that have taken the place over the course of a year or two or maybe more right but there was always like two months of being broken up here you know a month here six months there and then getting back together what's your latest um who, who's your who's on your radar right now no one's on my radar um at the moment but i have uh like my last it was a while ago to be honest like i i I was dating a she woman I Canada met on. Too? No, she's a okay. nurse. Uh, she's an amazing woman named uh, Sarah, uh, who's a nurse, and she moved down to. She got like a, a job at like, like a, a prestigious university hospital. Ooh, I'm not gonna nice. say. Okay. Um, and moved uh, moved away. That was her plan from before I even met her. And I so there was always an expiration date to our relationship. Right. Uh, but amazing, smart woman. Uh, we we got together. Uh, we got we got along, uh, very well. And when it was time for her to go, we were both like the breakup conversation was hilarious because it was sort of like, yeah, like I leave in like a week, and I'm like, I know, it's like, so we're cool. I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah, we're cool. Um, but you're not this best you're... of luck. And she went, and I met her on Tinder, ironically, and I've not gone back to that. Uh, I had enough like weird experiences on Tinder where I was like, nah, I'm gonna, you know, just kind of live life. But and, you're you're also not the type of dude that that's out there at the titty bar or you're trying to pick up chicks at the bar or um mm, banking just grocery trying to, stores man yeah, yeah. Or, <laughs> that's what i hear the grocery stores <laughs> in the like produce section is where it's at uh but you're you're not that 
kind of stereotypical military dude that's going out trying to like wink at the chick at Applebee's that's oh, no. sitting there getting the, the Cosmo that's sitting there by herself with no ring on her finger. You're more of like uh, you're living life. If somebody crosses your path, um, you know, you might explore it. You, mm-hmm. you'll, you'll be friendly. You'll, you're open to options. You're open to suggestions. And if something comes of it, something comes of it. Um, but that's interesting because have you have you thought about maybe is it is it in your dream let's say of this american uh, life that you're living here to do the wife family settle down kind of thing or are you more just content exploring bouncing around and doing your own thing well no i don't i'm not i'm not sold on the family thing anymore and as much as that i had to accept somewhere in my mid 30s that like okay you may never have children um, cause I know that after a certain point, I'm not going to want to have kids and it, I may have already hit that point. I don't know. You're going to be the old dad. I have, well, that's the thing is I don't want to be unable to relate to a 12 year old when I'm in my sixties. Right. Um, or mid fifties or whenever it is. Like I don't want to be faced with that situation and not ha- and have this poor child like look up to their father, like all their other, their, their peers have fathers who are in their, you know, thirties yeah, and they're looking to their father in their fifties going, well, why aren't you, uh, like, why can't you, why don't you have patience with me for this? Like I have a nine year old nephew who I have very little patience for sometimes. Right. And then I have to remind myself, oh yeah, he's nine. I was nine once. Yeah. That, I, I think I'm, that speaks to yourself more than it does culturally because, uh, I think there's been a, a major shift, uh, with people holding off having kids into a lot of people don't start until they're 30. Or even forty for dudes. I think it's a little easier sometimes. Or it might Larry be a little King hard. in his sixties, wasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Mick Jagger is like seventy. <laughs> he's had a kid. It's fucking ridiculous. Mick Jagger's dead and still having kids. <laughs> I know he's just a big marionette, and someone's <laughs> pulling the strings somehow. But uh, you know, I think that's a little different. That that you can be an old dad, let's say. Um, but but some people are just, for lack of better words, a little selfish. In not a bad way. They just, like you said, you don't have the patience. You don't even want want the fucking patience. You're just like, I don't, I don't have time for this shit. Like, come on. I love kids. I'm just not like I. I recognize that I don't want to put myself with a child in that situation. If I'm 58 and the kid is 12, that just doesn't appeal to me. That doesn't appeal. To, I don't think that. I've, like, plus, with the way, like, I mean, yeah, environmentalists or scientists talking about how the Earth isn't going to be like. Civilization as we know it is over in 50 years, and we're going to get into the Book of Eli, another movie you probably don't oh, know. Jesus Christ. Um, Mad Max. Make that not, Oh, okay, okay, Mad yeah, Max. Yeah, right. yeah. We're going to get into this weird apocalyptic, not post-apocalyptic, but apocalyptic phase in like right. 50 years is what they're you know, predicting. Am I going to bring a kid into that? I don't know. But I'm not, like, I'm okay. I had to make my, I had to just talk with myself for a while and, and, and be okay with the idea of not having a kid. Yeah. And so what is my focus? Oh, having a partner, having someone that you can rely on 100% that you can turn to and like is is your other half. Right. And I had this mantra when I was in my 20s and I was wide-eyed and, you know, whatever. Uh, you and me against the world was this like mantra I had. Like right. I want to meet someone I can be like that with. Yeah, like a Bonnie and Clyde situation. Like exactly. it's the two of us. And no, of course. Yeah. And that's why I brought up like House of Cards because sure. as, as sadistic as that couple is, there there is this ultimate trust between them. Uh, until the writers knew they had to do something. I'm going to try your port, by the way. Do it here. I've yet to try this. You've you've been you not even last time down. I was here. No, okay. didn't try it. Okay, but um, yeah, I I I'm more just kind of looking for that partner because as I, I 
you're, you, as you indicated, I'm a little old-fashioned in some ways. And you're I'm, very old-fashioned. I'm some getting ways. very much okay way. with the idea of a cabin uh-huh. in <laughs> the <laughs> woods outside <laughs> of like St. Louis, Missouri. You're fucking creep. And collecting just, my guns and my go bag, and I'm, I'm ready to. What's funny is I'm not that guy. Like I'm not that like toxic masculine. <laughs> no, I know you're not uber macho guy. Just, you you just prepared. But I learned enough to be like I can have I I know how to do those things. Mm-hmm. Like I can I can be like you know the romantic candlelit <laughs> dinner. But no, there's a, there's a clock under the table. Yeah. yeah. Um. <laughs> the, uh, someone when I was younger, someone who I don't talk to anymore. Uh, which is a crazy story I should tell you for another time. This is like liquefied candy, dude. Yeah. The, what it, but sip on it. Don't drink it, it like I, wine. I didn't. I, Treat it like scotch. What? <laughs> There's also what? foam in there. You've mixed it with beer. <laughs> what did you do with yours? I made sure all the beer was out of it. <laughs> That's what I did, fucker. All what? right. Why are you going to call me out like that? I mean, <laughs> I've never I, seen I didn't pork even, with a head. That's and all. And you said <laughs> sip on it. Don't drink it like wine. What does that mean? You think I gulp wine? I don't <laughs> <laughs> Go on, Mr. Romantic over here with your uh, cabin in the no, woods and your this, Glock under the table. There was this this, mon- this this mantra this guy said to me once. He's like, better to have it and not need it than need right. it and not have it. Right, right. Uh, so I'm not a huge, like, super crazy gun guy, but I have a handful because why yeah. not? Why not, man? Like, I, I knew when I was younger I was probably not mature enough to have them, and I waited till I, you know, I knew I was. Um I even had a friend once uh, who knew a guy I was like really close friends with in high school. Mm. We were we were best friends in high school. He strayed off and you know had trouble substance abuse issues and uh, other issues over the years. And he came he approached me one day like years and years later. We we're, we're fully fledged adults at this point and asked me. He's like, "Hey, this guy owes me money. He's a drug dealer. He owes me money." Um, I know you got some guns. Like, can you just like show up? Like, I'll 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 get him in a car. You're and, gonna be the muscle. And you no, know, well, I'm gonna get I'm gonna, I'm gonna be meeting with him in a car. Can you just show up and rob us? Huh. He wanted me to show up with empty guns and rob him and the guy so he could get his money get from his the money guy. from the guy. And, and then and later you would meet and say exactly. And hey, I'm like, I got hold your on, money. you want me to show up and threaten someone with an unloaded weapon? Yeah. Like. I'm never going to do that. Right. I am never going to knowingly brandish an, un- an unloaded weapon in anybody, right. much less rob someone. But like, you don't even have any... Exactly. Like, put myself in a situation where how do I know he's not armed sure. and all of that. Like, and, but, uh, rewind that all the way to... That sketchy No, yeah. That's just yeah. The, the premise of this entire thing is sketchy. And I think it, I, I'd already started riding a motorcycle at that point. Uh, so this is post-2011. And he had mentioned... He, I think he... he he meant he referenced Sons of Anarchy. You're in your 30s at this point. Yes, Jesus he referenced Christ. He, like I get it. When, are you okay. familiar with the TV show Sons of Anarchy? Yes, haven't seen it, but I I know okay. about it. Biker gang, biker gang. So stuff, he yeah. he I think he thought that because I'd seen that show or he'd yeah. seen that show. Yeah, well, you have a motorcycle and you, you have, have a motorcycle. A gun. You have guns. You must be. You must be a, a gang. A fucking, yeah, yeah. So I was like, no, man, this isn't. Mm. No, this is reality. Right. Like, and this is the guy that should know this because when we were in like high school, he went to go jump his car outside the high school stadium. Yeah, and he bottomed out and broke his oil pan because that's what you do when you go jumping over like an, a, a curb or a speed bump. Sure, that's what happens. It's not like the movies where you get to drive right. off, you know, and, and, and speed away from the cops. You break shit, and right. you know it doesn't shit turn out goes the way wrong. You... Exactly. Yeah, that's fucked up, man. Yeah. Well, Buck. Yes. Buckles, if I may. 
You know I'm, what? That's actually my nickname. But, my best friend's ex-girlfriend gave me a nickname. I have three hats that say buckles on it. I, I made, love that. I made buckles hats because she nicknamed me that. It's the best nickname I've ever had. I don't have a buckles hat. I feel like I need one. So yeah. would, uh, that bottle might be empty, dude. But No, it is. I'm, I just want to make sure we, we give it a shout oh, yeah, out yeah. on the way okay. out. Oh, man, you're good. So what I wanted to say is thank you so much for being here today. I'm going to wrap it up now. We, we're, we're going a little over an hour here, almost an hour and a half. Hour 23, <laughs> 28, 29, uh, 30. And um, I'm going to give you one opportunity real yeah. quick to perhaps plug anything that you want to have going on, coming up, that you want people to check out. I don't know, your Instagram or if you want to give your Facebook. If you care, if you want to stay private, that's I'll leave that up to you. Oh. Um, beyond that... You had mentioned a book. I, I don't know how, how far. I, I wish we could talk more. I'm going to have to have you on again. Do you want to come in again sometime? Yeah. Okay, cool. Did you have fun today? I had a blast. All right, cool. So we'll do it again another time, and maybe you'll let me get through some of my questions that I actually have <laughs> instead of just you hosting the show and me I just vividly remember telling you you, you should mm-hmm. have guests uh-huh. on this show when mm-hmm. you first came up with this uh-huh. idea. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, this is all your idea. Go ahead and take the credit for the show, too, you fucker. <laughs> Anyway, go. Here's your moment. Give yourself a plug, and I'll never have you here again. Go on. <laughs> um, no, I have nothing. The book I, I mentioned, I'll tell you about on the next episode. Uh, it's something that's like I've been sitting on my laptop for three years, diddling with. Um, the only thing I want to plug, since I am wearing this Bartlett for America shirt, go for it. Is uh, if you've never watched The West Wing, and you are of any political standing. I don't care where you are politically. Watch it. Um, if It's on Netflix. You can watch all seven seasons. Oh, that's a fucking commitment. Uh, I've watched it like 18 times. All seven seasons, easily 18 times. You're a maniac. Yes. Um, and it, it's an amazing show, and it's, it's, it's not about the politics. It's about the characters. It's about the people. It's about taking being passionate about something. It's also, I think it changes the mentality of people have towards government government isn't something to be feared government is something that we the people put in place to handle shit so we can go on motorcycle rides across the country because right. i don't have to worry about like filling potholes and you know you know all the other infrastructure issues and in, in, in law enforcement why do we put government in place we put it in place to handle shit so we could live our lives right government is not your enemy and this show, I think, embodies that notion that, like, one, you can get involved if you want, or you can not, but you can get involved, and government can be a place where people come together and pave the future. And I think that's, you know, a, a beautiful notion. So whatever, you know, political uh, flag you fly, I think it's something that you should definitely check out. And then on top of that, there is a podcast called The West Wing Weekly hosted by one of the cast members from that show. Okay. And uh, they go episode by episode and explore that. But one of the great things about it is they will pull in an actual person, like an actual judge or an actual political advisor in the real world and talk about the implications of what was in this fictional show and how it actually affects the real world. So That's it, it a clever idea. You, yeah, and, and sure. it, it takes this plot from a TV show and says, how does this relate to the real world? How would this, this work in the real world? Uh, and that that's a, that's a great angle it takes as it now becomes education and leave it to you to plug another podcast on my podcast one that you're not even affiliated with so i appreciate that 
Mm-hmm. And <laughs> are you done plugging the West Wing? I mean, I, I'm you done. had That's a moment. All I had. So and, and I, definitely I, get this Belgian <laughs> rare Voss. Rare Voss. Rare right. Voss. It, I mean, legit. It was good. Like this would. Imp- yeah. This would impress people beer. at parties. Yeah, I think so. You have this. And people are going to think you're an aficionado. Right. You got the cork. You got the little cage, mm-hmm. the, the champagne cage. People are going to say, oh, this dude means business. He knows his beer. Rustic flavor. L- rustic yeah. flavor. And uh, with that, we're going to sign off. Yep. Buck, thanks for joining us today. And uh, have uh, give us something sexy on the way out here. And everybody, Beers in the Basement, episode not sure yet, season two. Uh, the only thing sexy I have to say is it's not just going to be beers in this basement. Beers in the basement.